everybody, and welcome to the Unofficial Elder Scrolls Podcast. I am your host, as always, Pylon, and we've got a great episode today where we're going to be talking a little bit about the Reach lore, uh, since we've got a new chapter, or not chapter, I guess it's just a DLC, but it feels like a chapter because I'm that hyped for it. Uh, with Markarth coming up, we figured it'd be a good time to refresh everybody's knowledge of what's going on in the Reach. And to do that the most effective way possible, we brought in one of the scholars from the Imperial Library themselves, Benefactor. Benefactor, how's it going this evening? Doing well. I'm glad to be here and talking about uh, Delora. I love Delora Delta Scrolls, so and with uh, Markov right around the corner, it's the perfect time to really talk about what we know already to prepare ourselves for what's coming. Exactly, yeah. I'm super hyped for Markov. And the Reach Lore has always been like such interesting things going on in the Reach. So it'll be good to talk about it, and we're glad that you could join us tonight and talk about that. Uh, and that dancing robot you see in the middle there is AKB. AKB, how are you doing tonight? I am currently alive. You're currently alive? Yeah. It's that's... actually funny that you say that because probably 20 minutes ago, I was talking to somebody about the difference between active calories burned and total calories burned. And I said specifically, total calorie burns includes the calories that you get just for being alive. So it's good. You're you're. You're burning at total number of calories right now, AKB. Here, I'm. I'm. Not, uh, I have problems with that statement. I'm not going to get into it. There we go. So, how are you doing this evening, other than just being alive? Well, I'm uh, actually doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, it's been a pretty good, good week. Gosh, it's been a. I won't get too much into it yet, but it's been a. Pretty busy period for the UESP. It has been, yeah. So, well, why don't we pop over and talk about the news now? I'm going to actively try and hit the right buttons tonight, unlike last week where I just was all over the place and hitting the buttons. So we're going to try our best and see if I can actually click properly, uh, which will probably explain why I did so bad in my scholarly pursuits, but we'll talk about that later. Anyways, uh, we've got some ESO news today. We don't have a ton of news. It hasn't been a really heavy news week, uh, but there was a patch on the PTS. Uh, notably, you can now finish the main quest for the Reach. Hooray! Because you couldn't do that before because it was broken. It was, uh, yeah, it, I, we're not going to spoil it, but let's just say it left it on a hell of a cliffhanger for that week. Major things you wanted to do, you could not do. But now you can. Have you got into a chance to play any of the PTS there, Benefactor? Uh, I've been into tests a little bit here and there, but I haven't dug into the story. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to go in because I want to take in the full story as I yeah. go. And I'm the I same way. It goes live. I'm always the same way with PTS. I, I'm impatient. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to install it and play it. And then like, I'll start. I'm like, if I start playing this now, I'm going to have to play it again in like three weeks anyway. So maybe I'll just hold off. And I usually just go in and test like systems and stuff like that. So I'll go and like check out new housing changes they'll do or see like this item collections and stuff like that. So try not to go in too much into the PTS. I played through uh, Western Skyrim six <laughs> times. Best time of my life. You had the time of your life, you would say? Like, legitimately. Like, 
<laughs> See, actually... I, I have a hard time doing quests over and over again in a short period of time. Like if I'm doing Western Skyrim, I'll do it on one character. And then like two or three months from now, I'll be like, you know what? I want to do that on my Bosmer. And then I'll go through it again. So it's like, I kind of do it spread out. I, I, I'm normally that way, but I don't know how, but I've done like, uh, there was this one quest for uh, Western Skyrim. I did like six times in like a week. And I'm like, yeah, still, still okay with this. That's good then. Can't complain there. Awesome. Um, yeah, so there's not too much notable. There's a bunch of number changes, a bunch of things on that on the PTS, which is if you've listened to us before, you know that we don't really report on until they're finalized numbers and we know what's going live. So um, outside of that, we've got we've been working heavily on the Lost Treasures of Skyrim event, and we crossed 68% on that this morning, I think at 10 a.m. So that's exciting news. That means we've unlocked now the body markings and the pale... The, what was it? The Veil Fawn, but it's the Gloom... No, what's the name of it? Does anybody remember? <laughs> no one remembers. It's something, it had a funny name, because, and then it was based on a location that is now like lost in Orchid Skyrim. Orchid Fall Veil Fawn. That's what it was. That's what it was. So that's pretty it's, fun. It's a kind of purple-pinkish color. I will take anything that they want to give us. Uh, we don't get enough in-game pets and stuff that we can actually earn. So this is, it's always a, um, a pleasure when we're able to get free stuff. Chad now, is yelling at us that it's purple too, which I'm happy with. I love a purple font. So uh, yeah. So, and then the next one, the next one's the one I really care about is the house because the house looks awesome. It seems like it's very well designed for all of that big antiquity furniture we've been getting. It's the first free house since uh, that Somerset one that everyone has, but mine bugged out for some reason. No, we also got one with um, for completing the main quest in Elsewhere. I would say what I'm most excited about would actually about that house. the person that we're going to get, the hireling or whatever. Yeah, the house guest. The house guest. I'm very interested in how it's going to be implemented, what kind of dialogue they're going to have, and if it's going to relate to the house itself. Yeah, I'm uh, really curious about that, too. When they were on PTS, it wasn't that interesting. I will say that, in my no, opinion. But like, the other thing on the PTS, like with the ones that they showed us, like those three different ones, right? is they had different levels of, I think, completion. Because some of them didn't have like any dialogue at all. Some of them had a ton of dialogue. So yeah, like, I think we only saw a snippet of what they're actually going I to be doing. Like, I uh, definitely agree. I expect kind of suspected they weren't in a state of completion. Yeah, and like, obviously, I think they aren't going to do much other than walk around and say things, yeah. but I'm that's exactly what I want them to do, so I'm not too upset about that. No, I just wanted to walk around and say things. Before we leave this event, uh, I do want to say something. Not the thing Palin thinks I'm going to say. Oh. There is no reason to actually do the antiquities during this event. And that's controversial, but I've done, I was doing the event and I realized there's absolutely no bonus for actually doing it yourself. No, like, but it's part of a group effort. Yes, but I'm pretty there's sure no all of us have been, I'm pretty sure all of us have at some point had to carry someone else on a group. 
And then you realize, wait, instead of doing the antiquities, I can go to Western Skyrim and get a ton of EXP and actual bonus items. And then also get the antiquity items that everyone's unlocking. But here's the thing. If we got to 99% and they said, like, guys, you're like six short. And you were like, now telling everybody, like, I'm not even doing antiquities because it's not going to be beneficial. Everybody would come after you. They'd be like, this I'm is going all to say that right now I... that there's going to be no downside for me taking the philosophy of deliberately not doing the antiquities and just taking all the rewards. I, I will mean, accept... If you want to be selfish, you can do that. It, if it fails, please tell people that it was solely my fault. Well, we will do that. I really wish that um, they would have added the reward boxes to the antiquity system for this event. Yeah, I think that would have been really cool. As that would have given people more of an incentive. Because right now it's either, am I going to go after antiquities during this event? Or am I going to grind hero storms or something else that way I can get my reward boxes, which have actual valuable items. In. Exactly. That's That's my complaint here. There should have... Then a little bonus for people who are doing antiquities right now. I like, can see that, but at the same time, like, I don't think there really needs to be. Like, we're like I I imagine we it's it's a number that we would have hit based on current numbers with a slight boost. Like their reporting team went through this all; they knew the number that we had to hit based on the number of people that actually do yep. it. Yeah. So and they absolutely set it up so that it was both achievable with their current player base. But also still, like, I imagine it was achievable slightly higher than what it is regularly because they have the event. So they know that they have to have it higher than what it normally would be to hit this number. So say we normally do a million in a whatever nine day period. They probably set it to 1.5 million. It's also... Um... They also don't want it from a marketing standpoint to fail because if it fails, that's going to yeah. tell. People oh yeah, it looks not terrible. Not many people are playing our game that we Which is achieve. Like I don't exactly. think we need the like conspiracy theory and think that maybe they like they're like lying to us and they're going to hit it whatever. But I think they're also smart enough to not have it be a number that's just astronomically hard to hit. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to be the conspiracy theory guy and say we were going to hit it either way, but. Uh, but I think I think we were going to hit it in any way because they have the data achievable. to tell us that it was going to be an achievable goal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I don't that's, think that's if we only my, did like three... uh, antiquity gripe for the day. I did. I did spend like an hour or something doing it for this event. So I have. I did my community service. You, you can't get that mad at me if we fail. I did because the time. Get mad at you for encouraging selfish behavior. But. It's all about the. Uh, I do have about the community. for a later date. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It also just has reminded me to go back in and do antiquities, which was kind of a nice thing. Like I haven't really been doing my antiquities as much, and I've had some leads that were about to expire. Like I had like six days left on them, and I was like, "Oh, I'll go through and do all of these." That's a great idea. Like just the fact that the event was happening reminded me to go back in and clear out. I cleared out like forty leads, which was great. Yeah. My this is. A minor thing attached to those later thoughts. Uh, it does need kind of some kind of system, especially if they're going to keep the expiration thing in place to kind of encourage you to go back and do antiquities. I really don't think there's anything like that in the game right now, besides looking at the list and saying, oh, this is expiring. 
Yeah, they need to. I think they just need like a notification or something like that. If they if they are going to keep expiration dates in the game, I'm also really curious how it'll work with antiquities after Graymore moves into the ESO plus. That'll be a whole different thing. We I I feel like we could keep talking about antiquities for forever because oh. they're that awesome and everybody should go do them and not don't be an AKB. Don't spite your antiquities just because you're not getting something for yourself out of them. Be a benefactor and do it for the good of everybody. Not be an just, AKB uh, and get benefits and reap up all the rewards while doing none of the work. Uh, the codex entries are also a great part of the antiquity system. Uh, I've been finding myself doing the event, just going and finishing off zones uh, just, just so I can get the lore bits. Yeah, I love them. Um, so as a reminder, the event will continue until October 5th at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time or 2 p.m. GMT. Um, the first time you complete a Western Skyrim daily, as we've been talking about, you'll get a bulging box of Greyhost pillage, not just a box of Greyhost. It's bulging. Um, these have a chance for the new Blackreach Vanguard motifs, Greymore motifs, um, and the new Sovngarde style pages, as well as some other furnishing recipes and things like that. Um, and then after you do more dailies, you'll get the just normal boxes of Greyhost pillage. So that's exciting. And speaking of events, we actually have some dates for the rest of the events of 2020. Which is exciting. Um, we know that the Witches Festival will be October 22nd to November 3rd. The Undaunted Celebration, which, knock on wood, the... Um, uh, Dungeon Finder actually works for this time because the past couple of years we've had some real struggles with the Dungeon Finder during the Undaunted Celebration. Uh, that one will be November 25th until December 12th and then New Life Festival starting December 21st, January 2nd. So that's exciting. We know all the rest of the events for the year. Yeah, they uh, dropped that with the uh, preview stream. They put it up on uh, the USB's front page. If you couldn't remember all those dates and if you could thank you for watching rain man thank you for watching rain man the movie rain man i haven't watched the movie rain man the reference is not important okay as long as that doesn't matter um as well we have a new uh tamriel together sweepstakes which is actually really cool they just announced this was it this morning or was uh, it yesterday I feel like it was very recently. Uh, I think it was this morning that they did it, but um, they they it, go ahead. They announced something called Tamriel Together was a thing. Yes, so it's a it's a sweepstakes, which means it has a bunch of different rules than um, the normal like giveaways and stuff they do, like the event that they have. So you'll have to go on to the website. I think we can include a link to it in the chat in the show notes here. I might get AKB to grab that out of the show notes uh, to put in chat because you have to read through the rules to see if you are in this zone you're able to enter. You have to be this number of age years old. There, there's different rules. There's tons of regulations. But basically, it, you sign up. If you up. live in New York, you can't play probably. That kind of thing. Yeah, like stuff like that. It's, it's kind of strange. Um, what they're also doing is, as part of the sweepstakes, I thought it was kind of cool. They're make they're going to make your likeness a house guest and a statue. Which I think would be hilarious. 
So if you win the sweepstakes, you'll be immortalized in ESO and essentially canonized, I would guess, because you'll be a house guest in basically everybody's homes. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Do I want my likeness in game forever for people to do whatever they want with in their house? Obviously. <laughs> this isn't the first time uh, they've had the likeness of someone be yeah. put in a game. Yeah, they did a statue, I think, with Elsewhere. Or was it Somerset? I want to say Somerset, but I'm not sure. It could have been Somerset. I know they did a statue, and that person got into the game. I think it's really cool. Uh, the house guest, though, is the interesting thing. It's like the fact that it might be, you could have, if, if I win, which I'll be trying to, would be Pylon walking around the somebody's house forever. I think it'd be really funny. Uh, what's also really cool is um, they're making it kind of a guild event, too, where a guilds have a chance to either create a poster or a short video that celebrates their guild or promotes it. Um, and that per the winning guild will, or two guilds, I think will win. They'll get their own unique mount um, and exclusive collectibles that will bear the guild banner on them, which I think is really cool. So everyone, please throw your entries so we can win. Yeah. So nobody enter. Actually, why are we announcing this? Everybody just rewind back in the... I'll just cut this out afterwards and post so that we... Oh, nobody knows about it. Only we can enter and win. So, no. I'm just kidding. Don't worry. I think it'll be awesome. I'm really excited to see who wins and who's kind of goes super above board on this. I'll work on the video. We'll try to get some of our folks doing uh, different things there. Uh, but I think that's all we have for ESO news. Benefactor, do you play Legends at all? Um, I only played it when there was new story content coming out, but other than that, <laughs> no, I, I haven't played so it in an over that game. I love Legends, and I always feel bad about Legends because I feel like it's it's become this almost like running joke that it still exists, and it's so fun, and it was such a great game, but like. I've actually been playing it a ton the past week. Like I've got it on my iPad and I've kind of reset up my desk so that my iPad's nice and front and center. Um, so I've been playing it like just whenever I get a chance on my iPad. And this weekend was the Grand Melee event, which if you weren't aware of, which we actually got to announce ahead of time last week. Um, it's you take your best bet into the arena and you have three losses to see if you can get up to nine wins. And they gave away some cool card backs and the top thousand players which i was not one of um got a special premium card back out of it so it was kind of cool it was fun how well did you do i okay i was very confused because i was playing this morning and it had like two hours left and i was at like rank 2000 and i was like okay and i had like two wins in this round so rank 2000 i'm okay with this so i won a game and i went to rank 2100 then i won another game and I went to rank 2,500 and like 2,586 or something like that. And then I lost a game and I went down to like rank 3,000. I was like, what? So then I won another game and I went back up to 2,500. I was like, how many people are playing right now if my rank is jumping this like this huge? I think I finished off at like 2,300 rank or something like that. So I didn't get the special card back, but I had fun. It was a fun one. I didn't spend long enough designing a deck. I just kind of used one that I already... I always use my own Sylvie deck. That's kind of just what I play with. But other than that, I think I don't think we know in advance this time what the event is going to be this weekend. So sorry, uh, Legends fans. 
Um, as well, Blades, we know something's coming soon, but we still don't know anything about it. Um, but in Call to Arms news, Benefactor, you had a little bit of insight of what's going so on there. On the Facebook groups and in Discord server for Modithius, they've actually announced that they're looking for testers to test new Call to Arms products using Tabletop Simulator uh, that you can get on Steam. Uh, they're looking for groups of people to get together to test out um, new uh, products that they have in, online. They don't have any other specifics other than a sign-up form right now. That's really cool, though. I like the fact... So, I've never actually used Tabletop Simulator, but could Modifius load the miniatures from their game into Tabletop Simulator as like a DLC kind of thing? Or is that how does it work? Right now, uh, Tabletop Simulator actually has a demo version of Call to Arms that you can download for free if you have it on Steam. And it does have the little miniatures. They fully modeled them in-game. That's so cool. We were uh, talking about it before. There's weird rules surrounding it. Like, I don't remember, but I remember it. we talked about it and we couldn't stream it or something. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it's NDA'd. I think it's NDA'd uh, when I looked at it, so I'd have to double-check that again, but... We can't stream it, but we can talk about it, I'm sure, because I haven't played it, so I haven't yeah, signed Yeah, we, we, we didn't sign anything. Yeah. If you are selected as one of the testers, there is an NDA you will need to sign. Okay, that's what I figured there is, yeah, so. Well, uh, I haven't well, signed anything, folks, so you can hear me talking about everything. Well, I really want it to not be under NDA. I just want it to be a thing we can do. Yeah. Oh, well. I imagine there's reasons why they wanted under NDA because if they're still balancing and stuff like that, and like people go in and be like, "I picked this character and it broke the entire game. It wasn't fun at all." Like, you don't really want if you're if you're trying to get like playtesting information back, you don't necessarily want it all public public knowledge. Um, AKB, did you want to mention the Creation Club thing? Yes, uh, we currently are in our. Creation Club sales cycle. They go every two weeks, starting on Thursday, ending on a Thursday. Right now, within the current cycle, the Elven Hunter armor is currently free to anyone who wants it. I keep forgetting to log in, so thank you for reminding me. If you really want to, you can probably get almost all of them for free, in fact, if you just have a little patience. They also have sales going on for the Civil War Champions or in Bundle, Banded Crossbow Pack, Wild Horses, and Eleonora Home Bundle. If you want to finish up, some of those will probably never be free, I imagine. Uh, probably like the Civil War one will probably never be free. I actually got the Civil War one working for once. It used to be broken as all hell. And I went in the other day and it was just working now. Oh, hooray. It's also interesting because, one, it has some of the nicest models. Like, I can't believe we didn't get to talk about this before when we did the Creation Club Roundup like a year ago. And some of the nicest models in the uh, for the Creation Club. And every single item is outrageously overpowered. It's insane. Like... We'll have to go back and uh, talk about that at some point. But yeah. Yeah, well, um, we should dedicate a night to that. Next uh, Thursday, which is October 1st, 
this will reset so there will be new sales and there will be new uh creations free probably unless they stop doing them for free for some reason yeah i think it's safe to keep doing that so yeah just wait and uh grab it now before thursday if you want it for free it's funny because even just them doing the creations for free entirely keeps skyrim relevant to me yeah it's uh like it's i would forget about it completely and then there's a free one and i'm like Maybe I should play it again. And then I'll play it on my Switch, even though it doesn't have the Creation Club. So it doesn't even matter that they're getting in the way for free. I'm not even using them. It just reminds me that I like playing Skyrim. It's uh, too bad they had to clo- uh, delay the production of new creations with COVID-19. Their creators are still working on their projects, from what yeah. I understand. Yeah, it's just that they don't have the capability right now of COVID to finalize. To, yeah, to approve everything. Yeah, to approve it, probably to finalize testing because testing, I bet, is the big one because that's kind of from what I've talked to other people in the industry. Testing has been the big thing that got hit by having to get kicked out of office because now you've just introduced one new element that they would normally not have to account for in testing. Is now you're doing it remotely, so you're like, okay, well is this a problem because I'm remote or is this a problem because of whatever it's actually a bug? So I've heard that the testing has taken a real hit during COVID. Yeah. They just, uh, as we were told, they just stopped doing it for now. while they can't go to their offices. Yeah. So hopefully that will end someday. Well, maybe the good news is is that when they do go back into the office, they have a lot more um, that they can release right away. Well, that's true. I, I mean, we might just get flooded open. with content. That'd be cool. I would like that. Twenty uh, late twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one Skyrim revival. Let's go. It's it's in. Um, and then one final piece of news: we have a little bit of exciting. Uh, things I imagine a number of our listeners and people that use the UESP will be excited about is Zenimax Online Studios is actively looking for a writer to join their team. Um, and part of the link that we have in the show notes, or it'll be posted in uh, Twitch chat here, is a recommended uh, that they have a strong knowledge of the Elder Scrolls lore. So if you are looking to buff up your knowledge of Elder Scrolls lore, I think I know a wiki that would be really useful for you to look at in your job application process. So you can let them know how many hours you've spent editing. I would also like recommend nope. the Imperial Library. Nope, yeah, nope. Imperial so, Library is uh, all, it's all nope. you need. Imperial Library and UESP. Like, no joke, looking at the qualifications, Imperial Library or UESP would be all you need. And, I guess, writing skills, nope. if we're being honest. like. Well, I guess you can... Uh, yeah, that's more limiting on Imperial Library <laughs> since they don't do uh, prose. Yeah, oh, well, well, factor, I'm sure it's best of being the UESB instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but going to either of those sources will be great. So if that's something you're interested in, if you've always wanted to work on a video game and you have a strong desire to work in the lore, that'd be a great thing to tip your application into. So yeah. highly suggest it if that's something that interests you. But you know what? Why don't we pop over and thank the people that help make the UESP possible?
I don't think the wiki will provide references for every single editor on the wiki that wants to apply for this job. I'm sorry, everybody. That would be a little bit hard to do. Uh, but we want to thank everybody, speaking of the UESP wiki, uh, that helps support the wiki in one way or another. And we want to thank specifically our Patreon members who are signing up. We had a ton of new signups on Patreon this week because... We've been able to tease out some of the fun things that we'll be giving away. We'll be giving away the, or not giving away, as as a reward for subscribing. Um, anybody who signs up with, is this, AKB, correct me if I'm wrong, an annual subscription? An annual subscription. An annual Please subscription. Yes. Anybody who su- signs up for an annual subscription will receive a 25th anniversary anniversary a 25th anniversary commemorative coin from the UASP. Uh, we posted images on Patreon and on our Twitter, and it's actually on the wiki itself on the front page, I believe, right now, if you want to see a copy of what it looks like. Uh, it's really, really cool, so I highly suggest getting one. I'll be getting one, and we should be getting them in a couple of weeks that I can show everybody on stream what it'll look like. We are... That's what we're really excited about. Like, have... Uh... Keep in like, keep in mind we're signed up to get this stuff too. We wanted to. Yeah, That's part I don't of the get reason it for free. It. I don't get anything for free. I have to keep working for it, so I keep uh, I keep signing up for it all. Um, so to thank the people that have recently signed up, I want to thank Max, Jared Wilson, which is funny because that's also the name of my university roommate, which I thought was really funny. Uh, Timothy Kelly, Caitlin Regal, Thomas Kenyon, sixty seven stations, and this or V. Whichever one, I'm not sure. V-I-S. Thank you guys for subscribing on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, I also want to thank one of our newest Twitch subs, Narmarel. Narmarel? I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. It's so hard for me. Narmarel. And Stagrunner, who actually just subscribed for the first time during the show tonight. Thank you guys for subscribing on Twitch. As well, if it's something that you can't support financially... Uh, two other great ways to help us out is by leaving a review on iTunes, five stars only, unless you hate us. And if you hate us, then please don't leave a review because that'll just make me sad and kind of make me question everything about my life. Um, on iTunes is a great way to do that. Or if you do not like us, but you want to make the wiki better, uh, sign up for a wiki account and start editing some articles, create some articles, help fix typos. All of this stuff is very helpful. So that's probably the best thing you can do to keep the website running. And we're getting close to a big milestone on new wiki articles, so that'll be exciting. Um, anything else you want to mention before we move on to our scholarly pursuits, AKB? Uh, beyond the fact that I also want to thank everyone who has supported us. This has been a crazy, crazy push. Uh, we are insane. It's just insane seeing how many people have come forward saying, yes, we do want to help yeah. support the UESP. It's been amazing. Everyone's been yeah, so generous with the amount. And it's great because it helps. It means that we can keep creating content and keep creating things to for many years to come. So as long as people are excited about it, we'll keep making new stuff for you. Awesome. Well, why don't we talk about what things we've been up to if people care about that? Ooh, we almost had a misclick on the transition there tonight. It was a close one, but I pulled it off. Uh, well, Benefactor, as our guest here today, why don't you get started and tell us what you've been up to in your scholarly pursuits? 
So I've actually been up to quite a lot in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so if you visited Imperial Library within the last week, you'll notice that I have updated all of the Markoth and Stonethorn books to the Imperial yeah. Library. So if you like to be spoiled by um, spoilers and you want to get ahead on the lore game, uh, go ahead and check those out. There's a lot of juicy lore in there that we're not going to cover today, but it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, we aren't going to spoil anything tonight, guys, so don't worry. You can keep listening. You don't have to turn it off at any point. We're not going to do any spoilers for Mark Earth. We're just going to talk about the things that have already happened in Mark Earth. And, and speaking of books, I've also released a mod and updated it um, just last night to have every single book from ESO, 4,000 books I've added to Skyrim Special Edition. Um, it allows you to go and be able to, if you go to the Arcanium, the previously locked bookshelves are now unlocked with oh, lots so of cool. second era lore. I was going to ask, I'm like, can I just find new ESO books throughout the world or is that, are they just in that spot? Just in that spot. Um, That's smart because that would have been a lot of work to find 4,000 books. Definitely. Um, I chose the Arcanium because it had supposedly held <laughs> the library since the second era and it yeah. just seemed fitting. It makes sense. That's awesome. And it makes sense that there would be books from ESO in there. So that should be added as Creation Club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get that canonized in there. What else are you working on? Uh, so this week I've also been uh, playing ESO a bit more, trying to help out with the event as well oh, as getting... Good job, Benefactor. <laughs> Thank you for being a good person. <laughs> uh, I do it for the codexes. I, I still have a lot of codexes I haven't gotten yet for the NCPs. <laughs> no, he does it as a selfless individual that just wants to better the community. Um, other things I've been working on is I am writing up the three uh, travel schemes for that are not currently covered on the Imperial Library. So that's going to be Stormhold, Dawnstar, and uh, Oblivion Mobile. I'm going to be writing up the story and bringing those to the Imperial Library for those that I don't know those were covered. Uh, yeah, we don't have those yet. Interesting. Yeah, I, knew that. I was going to let you know now, prepare to giggle when you get to Oblivion <laughs> Mobile. Oh, I know. Um, Oblivion Mobile is great. Um, the okay, uh, can we... I need to talk to people about Oblivion Mobile. Yes. So in, in the original Oblivion... Uh, the Emperor is killed. It's really tragic. He gives you the amulet and sends you on his this journey, right? Yes. It, it, it's super tragic, uh, but that's beyond the point. Oblivion Mobile, uh, you're wandering through the, uh, uh, the sewers after escaping with the Emperor. The Emperor gets killed, and you decide to steal the Emperor's clothes. That's not a joke. That is actual dialogue. Well, I'm going to steal the Emperor's clothing. It, it, yeah. And it, the thought behind it is he's going to disguise himself against the assassin. As, from as the most famous place. person in the on the continent, he's going to dress as the Emperor as a disguise. Listen, there's a reason it didn't come out. Uh, Oblivion Mobile actually did come out. Oh, it came out. It got it got canceled after it's it came the out. PSP though, didn't it? Uh, one oh, the PSP version that didn't. Right, right, right. That's a story that. for another day. Yeah, that's another. <laughs> another funny thing about it is, is that 
he's a real scumbag, the main character of Oblivion Mobile. Whenever you hand it, uh, Amulet to Joffrey, the first thing you do is say, where's my gold? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so other than Oblivion Mobile things, is anything else you've been... <laughs> so a couple on? other things I've been working on. I've been going through the Direfall quest. There's actually a few books in Di the Direfall quest that weren't covered on the Imperial Library. I've added three new books from Daggerfall. Um, and some of them may even tie into ESO a little bit. Um, one of them called the Daedric, uh, History of Daedric Sex. I, I know so what you're talking about. Uh, there's This is an issue with the UESP's documentation of Daggerfall 2, because the way notes were documented, they come up in quests. So we mm -hmm. didn't create individual pages for a lot of them. And we definitely need to go back and fix that at some point. Uh, I definitely want to talk, t talk about how you're doing that later. Uh, definitely, yeah. And part of that is a lot of the, there's a lot of notes that still haven't been covered from the main story. I'm going to be adding those later on as well. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I've been working on is a project with Modifius, with Call to Arms. I'm hoping that I'm able to share that in the coming weeks. Oh, you teased. Oh, I'm just doing something with Call to Arms, but don't worry about it, guys. I'm not going to tell you any juicy details about what I'm doing. Grumble, grumble, grumble. That's exciting, though. I can't wait to find out what that is. I know we you mentioned it to me, and I put it on the podcast a few weeks back. That you were starting something, so it's exciting you're still working on it. Delays with approvals yeah. from Bethesda. Uh, Understandable, there's delays right there's now. There's a lot of stuff going on right there. Yeah, I can imagine. It's not like anything major happened with Bethesda last week, so so I can't see why they really had to deal with. But anyways, that's really exciting. I'm glad to hear all those fun things are going on. How about you, AKB? What have you been working on or doing the past week? Um... A big thing is I've returned to streaming. It's very exciting. Uh, I, I'm going at a much slower pace than I did last time. I'm just trying to find what I'm comfortable with, you know? Always good Do time. things that are actually fun. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, Having fun doing things makes it better? Yeah. Well, right now it's... I am back for Wednesdays. Uh... I'm also, of course, on, on Mondays with my pre-stream. It's been interesting. I've had uh, the last few weeks an opportunity to do it a day early, uh, uh, an additional stream of ESO's uh, new uh, PTS. Yeah. So I'm having fun with that. A good number of people have been tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, beyond my normal social media stuff... I have also kind of turned back towards the wiki because, you know, like, no matter what, that is the heart of the UESP. It's been a, a good while since I've been super heavy into editing, but I've got the bug big time again. I love when that happens. Like uh, you just get that bug to get in there and do stuff. Like, I think I've created something like, I want to say it's like between 300 and 400 pages in the last week or so we i was hoping to have hit seventy thousand articles today and pilot told me not to talk about this but i'm talking oh, about okay it. fine you can talk about it uh we're 
we're at 69,935. Uh, we will almost certainly have hit it by the time you see it uh, next week. But yeah, it's just been... You, you never... It is impossible to describe how much more work there still is to do. Like If anyone goes like, oh, I, I think uh, there's nothing I can really help with, I assure there's you... There's so we, much stuff on the wiki, yeah. There is always more to do. There will always be more, especially with... Uh, ESO's pace and the new call to arm stuff and going back to old games and fixing up their standards to our new higher ones it it is a never ending process we will always be growing we'll always be getting better that's completely awesome I apologize I got completely sidetracked because J-Hart just popped in and raided us with a lot of people so I was just like oh what's going on here a lot of people so welcome everybody who's new to the UESP podcast we're doing our recording now Um, well that's awesome it could be how anything else you've been working on other than wiki and streaming wiki streaming uh, I mean besides my own personal stuff uh, it's that's been it for me man what about you so anybody who tuned in last Tuesday would have saw me just banging my face against the wall in Maelstrom Arena because I thought, as an ignorant sap that I am, that it would be a great idea to go into Maelstrom Arena, not really ever doing it before, on vet with just my character, not look up any guides or do anything and just go straight through and try to do Ma- vet Maelstrom Arena. Um, anybody who was watching noticed it didn't go so well. I spent... Two hours, and I think I made it just to Arena 5. It was brutal. Um, I, I was just sitting there struggling. And I was like, why is this so hard? I don't understand. So I got very frustrated with that. Uh, and then I decided to switch characters, and I went and tried my werewolf character. So I have a werewolf that I've been using for PvP for the longest time. And I, a bunch of people were like, hey, you should already, you should just go and try a werewolf. It's apparently a lot easier. I went through it and I got to Arena 9 on Vet in like an hour and a half. So I was like, what the heck? So I spent the rest of the week. I've been do- trying to beat Arena 9 for the basically the past week. I can get to the final boss and I just keep dying on the final boss. I think I can get it. It's just a matter of like, going through it and like learning the mechanics perfectly and things like that. But it was, I can't believe how much easier it was. So either my warden is just completely screwed up and I need to refigure out how I'm going to do that build. Uh, or I just need to actually follow some guides and do a few different things there. So that's a little bit of fun, but yeah, I had a lot of fun doing Maelstrom. Uh, beside that, I have been going in and doing my antiquities for the sole benefit of the community and no benefit to myself, of course. Uh, um, I am. I'm just saying when I, I will, if I had the time to play ESO that much, uh, that actually mattered, uh, I I would absolutely be looking at going like I'm just gonna go to the Skyrim events, get the bonus items, and then I'm gonna get all the rewards for the antiquities anyway. Because I'm busy being a a good person to carry you that way. I'm willing to take that weight on my shoulders. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing in chat a lot of people talking about Alcast's guide, so I'm going to look up those, because as much fun as it was to watch me struggle, I do want to actually finish Maelstrom Arena at some point in my life, so I'm going to try to go through all the guides and figure out what I'm doing wrong and what I need to do. So we'll probably do that again tomorrow night on stream, so if people want to watch Pylon struggle at being bad at video games again, which seems to be a popular thing for people to do, uh, come hang out next 
uh, tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern time, and I'll be streaming then, watching me stri- fail. And we'll also do some antiquities because that's important for them. <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, also, I've been playing a bunch of Legends, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, as I mentioned, i kind of been like going back in, doing my Elm Sylvie deck. Uh, my main goal with that deck is to get all three of the Tribunal out wait, at the same wait, time wait, and wait, Exalted. Wait, 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 Can you say Elm Sylvie again? Elm Sylvie. Why? Pro- proceed, never mind. Maybe did I say it wrong? I meant to say Elm Sylvie. Or am I saying uh, it funny? I, I don't know. It's just when you say it really fast. It's my it's... accent. I'm like, what the heck? But no, uh, go on. I'm sorry. It's so it's my tribunal deck. We'll say <laughs> to avoid any confusion with folks. Uh, my tribunal deck. Uh, my tribunal deck is basically my entire purpose of it is I like to try to get uh, Vivek, Almalexia, and Sothasil all out at the same time and exalted, which is hard to do because it costs a lot of uh, Magicka. So I've done it once before, and I think I sent Alaro a picture of it on the, the wiki just to be like, I did it! I finally did it! Because uh, it's basically just like, there's no way to lose the game if you can get them all out, um, which is really fun. You still can, but it's very hard. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that, and then doing a lot of just kind of stream behind-the-scenes stuff, working to see what we can do. We'll probably have a... I think Avron and I will be doing another one of our group streams coming up in October again, because I think everybody had a lot of fun with that. So we'll do some giveaways, have some uh, fun with that. Maybe we'll do an Avron coaches pylon through Maelstrom events so that she can just yell at me and watch how bad I am at doing things. Um, I think people might enjoy that. But other than that, that's kind of been it for me. I'm trying to think. I feel like I have like a ton of things going on, but there's nothing really that exciting to talk about. I've been tired. We're getting to that time of year in Canada where it's just going to get dark all the time, and I'm kind of sad missing the sun. But other than that, you know what? Why don't we talk about the lore at hand and let's dig in to the reach Yes, so with the new DLC upcoming for ESO, we wanted to take some time and talk a little bit more about what we know about Markarth and the area surrounding Markarth, known as the Reach. Uh, What we know already from the game and from other games and things that exist outside of just what is happening right now specifically, and which is why we wanted to bring the great and knowledgeable benefactor on to discuss with us a different things. So my first kind of question for everybody is a little bit of, about the people of the Reach, which are always referred to as Reachmen. First question, is a Reach woman still a Reachman? Is that just an ambiguous term? I, I would say just like you would call a human, you would say Reachman. Okay, so it's, just, it's, it's not a sexed term, it's just a... Phrase that is a general term, um, and they don't really refer to themselves too much as Reachmen. They refer to themselves usually by their clan. True, more often than not. That's good. Um, okay, so why don't benefactor and well, AKB can interrupt if there's anything in there too. But why don't you get us started with the different encounters we've had with Reachmen previously in so, Elder Scrolls Online? When we talk about uh, Elder Scrolls Online and Reachmen. Uh, where we should begin is with the Longhouse Emperors. 
uh, the Longhouse Emperors are pretty much the cause of almost every problem that we are cleaning up in Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, you had uh, issues with um, to where Euraxia Tharn took over uh, southern or northern elsewhere, and she was part of the Longhouse Emperor uh, clan. Uh, she was married in. And you also have uh, Baron Aquilarius, who his rebellion was to overthrow the Longhouse Emperors, which led to the Plain Meld. You have the Ice Reach Coven, which was a advisor to the Longhouse Emperors, who fled north, which is the cause of our current predicament with Greymoor and Markarth. Um, pretty much everything that we're dealing with is a fallout <laughs> all the Richmond's Longhouse fault. Emperors. Now. This has created a bit of a opinion in the community that why are we depicting every single Reachman as being this super evil person? Are there any good Reachmen? Oh, we knew that there was good Reachmen well before the, yeah. uh, before Greymoor or anything. If you play the Reach, or not the Reach, I'm sorry, the Rift, uh, there's a quest in the Rift where you encounter a Reachman who is who was caged by his own people. He was forced to abandon his family and to go on to a war path with the worm cult, and he refused. And you have the option to talk to him, to get to know him. Uh, he is a briar heart, and he actually doesn't seem like such a bad guy. He just wants to return to his family. So let's and pause so for one second. Benefactor, can you explain what a briar heart is for everybody? So because I can't, because I know kind of what a briar heart is, but I can't actually explain a briar heart. So briar hearts go back to reach magic. Uh, they use uh, magic to that is in tune with nature, and so they have a briar a heart uh, tree, which is uh, grown from dead bodies that they collect. As you and do. When uh, these uh, trees grow, and then they have a kind of like a thorny plant that they that bears fruit and Hagravens will take this fruit and they will remove the heart of a reachman and replace it with the uh, with this briar heart which is and this goes all the way back to uh, mimicking what happened with Lorcan and how his heart was removed from him and tossed aside uh, to where it's all symbolism to where they're trying to symbolize, and through sim uh, symbolism, they're able to grant extra power using this magic. So what kind of power does a briar heart? Uh, briar hearts are usually able to have more strength. They're able to have a lot more endurance. And uh, they're overall some of the fiercest warriors that the Reachmen have. Nice. And they probably don't have to care about cholesterol or anything like that. No. Magic probably heart now. Uh, but there are some side effects, such as the guy I was talking about before. He was talking about how he would have to basically uh, take a boiling bath because insects would get inside and he could feel the insects with the briar heart. So it's not all benefits. Yes, it's very, very, very disturbing. Uh, if you uh, played the Dragonborn expansion from... Uh, Skyrim, you will also note that it's very similar to 
the people who had heartstones implanted into them and the living ash born from it. it they're tight concepts. Yeah. So where else have we, so we've seen that we talked about the rest. We've talked about what like in Mark Hearth, what we'll be seeing them for sure. What other zones have we really had some encounters with people from the reach? So we've also encountered them in uh, Bankerai. We've encountered them to where the Dark Witness clan was attacking Evermore in combination with, um, I believe it was Javad Tharn. I could be incorrect about which Tharn it was, but there was a Imperial Legion uh, led by a Tharn that was attacking as well. And even though they were first allied, the Dark Witnesses went against the Imperials and sides with you until you defeat the Imperials, and then you have to defeat the Dark Witness clan. Uh, uh, before we go on further, I do want to... I kind of hinted at this before, but it's important to keep in mind that uh, Reachman Society in particular uh, is not... doesn't have much in the way of an overarching uh like centralized uh, structure a centralized structure like we've yeah. seen with it's, it's it's mostly the other clan. major factions yeah. like to the people of the bone shaper clan they're in charge of their own lives they aren't necessarily worried about what the doom fang clan wants from them so they're all they are all free to basically do what they want they are entirely kind of separate mini-factions, if that helps you understand it. I agree completely, but we do actually have some examples of Reachman clans banding together to work together towards a, some, uh, a common goal. Right. Uh, going back to the Rift, uh, we had three clans, the Bone Shaper, Rage Claw, and Stone Talon, which formed a pact with uh, the Worm Cult in order to uh, invade the Rift. And they were successful in stealing Wuthrad and splitting its fragments and also helping to resurrect the giant Senmer, who was an enemy of Yskrimor. Other uh, times that we've seen them working together as well is um, such as in Western Skyrim, we actually have a couple of clans that are working together with the Icereach clan. Uh, to help resurrect um, the Great Host. Which just seems like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, as much as there there are good ones, they, they, they seem to also, that group of people seems to do a lot of things that are very destructive for Tamriel. <laughs> now, they did kind of talk about this slightly once, where a lot of uh, the Reachmen clans have kind of been uh, taken over by the Hagraven Colts and yeah. the Hagraven Colts side of things a lot less great than the other ones out there. Yeah, with the with the the leadership of all of their clans are evil. It goes to believe that a lot of their actions are going to be kind of evil. Uh, overall, though, I feel like a lot of the times with Reachmen, it's they are led astray by their leaders to where yeah. <laughs> it's filled with people that are not necessarily bad or evil. It's just that they're following someone whose goals are not the best. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
But I will say, though, that all Reachmen do seem to have a dislike of outsiders. Uh, they don't seem to side with men. They don't seem to side with elves. They attack indiscriminately. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, it, they're generally a little bit xenophobic, which is actually very common across Tamriel, that within the different uh, cultures, you see a lot of xenophobia, which is interesting. The, the Like, the Altmer don't really like people coming there. The Dunmer don't really like people coming to Morrowind. The Nords kind of just want Nords in Skyrim. Like, for as much as they all want people to leave them alone, nobody ever seems to leave each other alone. <laughs> it's just kind of a running gag in Tamriel. It's kind of funny. I've got a question for you, Pylon. Um, sure. In regards to Reachmen, do you view them as Bretons, Nords, or do you view them as their own race and men? Yeah, so I saw chat was talking about this too, which is kind of an interesting. I Personally, from what I have understood, I've seen them as their own unique culture slash it's hard to yeah hard to describe but we know that they're not we know from in-game books and things like that they're not just bretons they're something they're, slightly they're more different the about pure needic yeah uh, they have more needic to them than uh the average breton would we know they're not they're more elf but they're not elves like they're they're not they're not nords they're not they're their own unique they're they seem to be a hodgepodge of every single race mixed together. In a way. Yeah, kind of. Um, how would you feel about if ESO was to add uh, Reachmen as a playable race? That would be so cool, especially because you could have Briarheart-based skill lines. Exactly. Uh, oh, you could... that would be awesome. Okay, I used to always think that the um, Maurmer would be the best playable race and the most likely of playable races. Like obviously like Dwemer or something would be really cool, but it's never going to happen. But Reachman playable race would be so cool. That'd be so interesting. I feel like of all the races, that one would be the easiest one to implement as an extra race for them to, uh, for you to play as. I feel like there is an issue with it in the sense that it's too close aren't... to. Yes. Like, uh, especially with Skyrim, which, made all the Reachman Bretons for the most part, except the ones that were clearly just aligned with the faction and weren't born it weren't necessarily born Reachmen. Like uh Wait, I've got a way to fix the knife. Master Squirrel the Knife. Complete What's way that? to fix this that we don't have to worry about it. We just have um like subtypes of all the races. So we have with Altmer we get like a Maurmer sub type. With Let's go Bretons. up to 20 races. All yeah, them have exactly. Reachmen We can have Ashlanders. For, like, they don't have to necessarily be like fully different, but just have you like a little bit of like a sub, like a Paragon style to all the races. So you could have Ashlanders. You could have um, different types of Argonians, like maybe the uh, Naga you could have in there. We could have all of them have their own little subspecies. Bosber could have things like a secondary type. Oh. I'm so in for this. Uh, I think we're showing a little bit off topic. Super now. off topic now. Yeah, that was, that is my, my mind went running with that one. I was like, oh, they could have so many different ways. Like, they'd mostly be cosmetic and maybe giants like. Just screw everything else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could have half giants. Anyway, back on topic. Yeah. Uh, back on topic, uh, but kind of segueing in from that. Another race that Reachmen seem to align themselves with, actually, is Minotaurs. Uh, such as we have 
Domahas. I I might be mispronouncing these words. I think that's right. The pronunciations are not my best. Hey, welcome um, to the club. Um, but there was a dungeon pack a while back with the Dreadhorn clan of Reachmen who joined forces with Domahas the Bloody Horned and Minotaur. And together they were working together to try to conquer Falkreath. And with that, um, uh, they were also using Nurncrux from Craglorn in combination with a Blood Forge to try to further increase their strength. Um, I find this interesting in that instead of going more with the traditional thorny magic, they were going more towards trying to connect more with their roots and the needed okay. roots with Nurncrux. Um, and this goes back, uh, this whole entire storyline starts off with Domahas the Minotaur finding out that he has ties in the past uh, with needs and trying to retake his ownership of certain land. And he was favored by Hercene, which is highly favored by the um, Reachmen. And so we have to take care of Domahas and Falkreath while also taking care of the Bloodforged um, enemies as well. And segueing from this, uh, might be a good time to talk about Nidic religion, or not Nidic, um, Reachmen religions. Yes. To where they don't really seem to favor the eight divines that most other races go for. They want somebody that's going to speak back to them. So they tend to go towards Daedric lords, such as Hercene, which is the huntsman, which goes to their uh, to where there are nomads, they're constantly moving and hunting. Uh, they also favor um, other types of uh, Daedric lords as well. Each clan has their own favorite Daedric lord that they pray to. Yeah, yeah so the ones we've seen have been Mogbal, Mayrens Dagon, and Malakath so far. In a way, I feel like because they favor Daedric worship, it uh, it would explain why more often than not we find them as enemies rather than allies. Yeah. As they're working against the goals of other races which favor date divines. Yeah, it's interesting to see like a culture that's just like like ter- like Elder Scrolls is weird in that way where it's like we have these divines like these essential gods but everyone's not everyone's like on board with them even though you kind of see them in practice but everyone's like just like ah whatever I don't care I'm going to go worship these Daedric lords for whatever yeah, reason. I like, mean it's always been a case of where special where like uh, in some of the games, they've even gone as far as to imply that like the shrines don't work for most people. Like that's a special thing that they work for us. Yeah. Like uh, standing stones to most people, they're just rocks. To us, they grant us amazing powers. It's very the divines do help. It's just. They help some people much more directly than others. Yeah. And with the Daedra, the Daedra are much less concerning, uh, disconcerned. That's not the right word either. The Daedra are much less picky with who they are willing to help or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of funny that it's just like kind of all over the place on that stuff. 
throughout all of the races and cultures in Tamriel, there's kind of just like the, eh, we're gonna, this person seems, or this god seems like they'll help me the most, so sure, let's just follow them. Just seems funny the way it works. It makes you question, like, well, do they believe in the eight divines, or do they not believe in them at all, or do they just don't It's not like atheism, uh, where they go like, oh, uh, they don't exist. They go like, yeah, sure, they exist, but we don't like them. They're jerks. Yeah, it's very funny. We actually do get a few instances of Date Divine speaking to their followers, um, such as in Morrowind, we can meet aspects of, I believe it was Mara. And but that's us. We're special. True. Yes. Um, but if you want to talk about NPCs, there is the one from Dawnguard who was speaking to Stendar, I believe it was, uh, to where he heard voices and he, he would send you out to find caches that the voices were telling him about. Yes, but. They kept playing along. Is this guy just crazy? Yeah. Which most people assumed. Yeah, we have no way of knowing. Uh, Okay, well, so I'm looking through our notes here again, and I see Red Eagle mentioned a few times. So who's Red Eagle? So Red Eagle is one of the... He's pretty much the king of kings among Reachmen. Uh, Back during the first era, there used to be ten different clans of Reachmen. In the reach and he conquered all 10 clans and became uh, his own emperor of the reach and what happened is he encountered Hestra the empress of Cyrodiil the same empress who defeated the great host and one year after the defeat of the great host Hestra's army invaded the reach and conquered each of the 10 clans after each of the, after the clans either bent the knee or uh, were defeated, um, uh, Falon, who is Red Eagle, decided that he was going to run away. And so he ran away and then made packs with uh, Hagravens to be able to, for them to take his heart from him and replace it so that he would have more power to be able to fight uh, Hestra's army. And so he drove them away, uh, Hester's army was away using this power. And when Hester came with a full legion, he took out a full legion of soldiers by himself, according to stories, uh, using just this power that the Hagravens gave him. Is that essentially kind of like the first Briarheart? He's similar to the first Briarheart. It didn't say that it was replaced with a Briar, but, but it's the exact same it's, ritual. It's that the same it's left ambiguous. Yeah. It's pretty much the same ritual um, to replace his heart to gain power with another item. And he has actually a oath that he's going to return and lead the Reachmen again. And this oath um, actually is referenced in a book series that was back in... It was either the Gold Coast or Hughes Bane. Yes, where... uh, it was uh, Hughes Bane. Hughes Bane. And this book series it talks about how this one weak uh, mage was hearing voices and he thought himself to be a descendant of Red Eagle. And so he dedicated his life to finding where Red Eagle was buried and how to bring him back in a way and found Red Eagle's sword and brought it to the tomb um, to try to resurrect him. But at the last moment, he realized that Red Eagle was not going to 
uh, give him power or anything. He was actually going to kill him after. <laughs> so he ran away and locked Red Eagle back in his cave, and he was worried that Red Eagle was going to escape someday. If I remember correctly, we deal with that in Skyrim again. We do deal with that in Skyrim. We Just... find the sword and we open his tomb to fight Red Eagle. That's very interesting. So, jokes on him. Take that prophecy. Mm-hmm. And the last reference we have of Red Eagle is actually during Greymore. There is a um, there is a quest in Carthold that you meet a descendant of Red Eagle named Borgia. I could be mispronounced in that, um, but she is being brainwashed in a way by Reachmen to make her a new queen of the Reach to take. Red Eagle's place and try to reunite the clans with the Great Host in combination with the Great Host, um, but we uh, uh, we prevent that from happening. So speaking of the Red Host, let's kind of maybe it's a good time to dig into actually who the Great Host is because that's a major part of the Greymore story, which I think we can talk about now. If you haven't done the Greymore story, it's been out for long enough. Just go do it. Come on, guys, get it together. But yeah, so why don't we talk about who the Great Host really are? Because they seem to be very intertwined with like the mythos and the history of the Reach. Are we going to talk about the prologue as well, or just Greymore? Let's just talk about Greymore. We'll okay. leave off the prologue for now. So let's start with where we what we know about the Grey Host. Um, the Grey Host originated in Velkarth, a city in Hammerfell. From what we know about them, uh, from there they started to expand uh, into Bankarai and. Uh, throughout Hammerfell, also attempted to go into Cyrodiil as well. Uh, the reason that we know that they uh, tried to invade Cyrodiil is due to Molag Ball's uh, comments at Dark Anchors when he calls down the King Styrich, who was the King of the Grey Host, along with two of his generals. And one of the generals Molag Ball mentions was buried beneath the soil of Cyrodiil, which means that they had to have come into Cyrodiil antagonizing Hestra, which was the empress at the time. So uh, at this, this point, what was the Grey Host specifically? Uh, the Grey Host is a group of vampires and werewolves that banded together to create an army. Uh, then they thought themselves superior to men and wanted to conquer the known world. It worked out great for them. It didn't. The first time. We don't know what's going to happen this time. It doesn't work out great for them. <laughs> we, we have games shoot farther along in the timeline. That's not no, spoiler. It's actually, so actually what next year is, is all of our characters get converted to werewolves and vampires. And we're just the great host now. That's the news. That's Elder Scrolls Online. Sorry, guys. Good. Uh, so after uh, their failed Cerrado invasion, uh, they went back to Bankurai and they started to try to expand north into near Evermore and the Bankurai garrison. And they sieged uh, there for a while and they were almost able to break through if it wasn't for St. Pelham. St. Pelham was a healer during the siege that was healing all of his people, but he couldn't, uh, he was worried that he wasn't able to do as much of uh, the fighting to hold them off. And he knew that it was 
there wasn't enough time for reinforcements to arrive to save them. So he prayed to, I, I'm not sure exactly which eight divine it was that he prayed to, but after praying, he decided to leap from the walls. And every he good was healer granted does. strength to where the um, great host kept feeding on him, but he would regenerate all of his blood and everything. So they kept feeding and gorging themselves. And while he was, uh, while that was happening, Hestra's forces came in from Cyrodiil and uh, pincered the great host and killed pretty much every single one of the great host. They made sure that not a single, uh, they tried to make sure that not a single one escaped. And they were pretty thorough, but not, as we can tell, we, they weren't completely thorough. Yes. And after they uh, killed every, uh, all the great hosts, they collected all of the fragments of the great hosts and burned them and turned them to ash. And they created something called the Pyre Watch. The Pyre Watch was a group that was going to be dedicated to making sure that the remains of the great hosts would not be destroyed, uh, or not destroyed, but they would never be found or disturbed. And so they hid them away. Yes, um, and that's but, where we lead into when we start doing the, um, which is it, Unhallowed Grave? Is the Pyro Watch? Unhallowed yes. Grave is where, as one of the dungeons that we got uh, for that led into Greymoor, um, what happened is the Draugrkin, a group of mercenaries, were hired by someone in Western Skyrim to steal the remains of the Great Host. And there was only one Pyro Watch left at that time, and we joined forces with her to repel them, but they had already stolen the remains. I just love, like, just back, going back for a second to St. Pelin. Imagine in the afterlife, and you become a saint, and you're um, so, like, everyone's talking about what they did become a saint. Like, oh, I led the... Uh, or the chimer out became blah 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 and stuff like that and then they get to St. Pelin they go what what was your superpower it's like well I made the enemies eat me so much that they got too fat and tired and then someone else came in and killed everybody it's like what <laughs> it's such bonkers lord I love it um it would also really suck if he got infected with vampirism as yeah because now he's like super powerful and essentially unkillable but mm -hmm. apparently whichever divine blessed him with that one was but it's just hilarious i love those like super bizarre tidbits of they're like well what's the best thing we could do to stop this it's like they could have given him the power to like swipe down a hundred of them in one one blow it's like no we're gonna make it that if they eat him they're gonna get too tired to keep going superpowers for the centuries i love it um so we should also talk quickly about um, the actual zone itself. So where is the Reach? What is the Reach? So the Reach is, at this point, it's not a part of Skyrim itself. It's not a hold of Skyrim. It's well, there isn't even, at, in this point in ESO, there isn't a whole Skyrim anyways. So. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's in the southwestern portion of Skyrim as we know it. And it's a rocky terrain with lots of valleys and there's uh, the Karth River which runs right down the middle and the main hold is actually uh, the main city of the 
hold is Markarth. Markarth is a dwarven ruin which has been repurposed to house. Um, it's been taken over and actual people are still living there to this day. I'm actually surprised more cities, dwarven cities, weren't occupied. Yes, uh, for those who are curious, Kurth is one of the few words we get a translation for. It just means stone. So whenever you're in the reach, if you want to mentally change out everything to, for that. So Markarth is city of stone. Uh, Karth River, Stone River, uh, West Karth, West Rock. That That's the whole place. Everything is just rock this and rock that. Makes sense. And with Markov, there's actually a further Dwarven ruins underneath the city itself yeah. called Nichanzel. Good job. Uh, that <laughs> Dwarven ruin is, it goes deep beneath the city itself and is not currently occupied by people. Interesting. Wonder what's um, there. Another thing that should be noted about the Reach is that there are Dwarven ruins throughout the Reach. And in the Reach, there was one city, I don't have it off the top of my head, but there's one city that was in charge of developing ethereal items, which caused a civil war within the Dwarven clans of Skyrim. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that one. Uh, it's the one that we first find out about Ethereum in Skyrim. Right, I'd have to look that up unless I could be notes it off the top of your head. Uh, the Ethereum questline, it's, there's a whole Ethereum war. It's, I, I don't know the name of the ruin yeah, because there's multiple ruins attached to the whole Ethereum questline. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, I don't remember it either. We'll look it up later. We'll add it in. Uh, but going back to Markarth, we should talk about who the ruler of Markarth is. Yes, go for it. Let us know. So the ruler is Ard Kadok, and he is called the Despot of Markarth. We actually first hear about him uh, back in the Emperor's Guide to Tamriel, which was all the way at launch of ESO to where we only really knew his name. We didn't know much about him. Uh, he had dealings with the worm cult in the past, including Manny Marco and Javad Tharn, who were mm -hmm. in leagues with him. Uh, we don't know what their connection was, but we know Manny Marco was meeting with the despot when Flac uh, Flacas Terentius, the writer of the Emperor's Guide, found himself in Markarth. Interesting. So I yes. think unless there's any further little tidbits it could be or benefactor want to share that's kind of a good primer for uh, everything you need to know about the reach before we go into mark yes uh again remember this wasn't a spoilers podcast like yes there's way more we're I, gonna I, find out i just want to say like a lot of the sentences we had here literally had like an immediate <laughs> follow-up explaining what that thing meant what that thing was Oh, this is the actual deal here. Like, yeah. So we if do you have these answers, we just if you saw our show notes, it's basically me going through with a strike through, being like, no, can't, nope, not that one. Nope, yeah. can't talk about that. Nope, uh, can't talk I, about that. So a lot of the things you're gonna learn out more of, guess, a finale to the story. So you'll have to stay tuned. There are some stuff that we just tell you all about it, and you're just gonna think there's more to the story, and there isn't. But I think that's 
Go ahead, Benefactor. It looks like you wanted to say uh, something there. I was going to say that there's a lot that I didn't put in here from the new lore. Um, this everything that we talked about is expanded in so many different ways. Um, if you want to, if you are too, or if you don't want to wait until Markov launches, you can always go to the Imperial Library and we read up on much of this lore with all the new books that have been added. Yes, you can also always visit. The good old UESB, we do have those books up as well. Both are viable answers. We love the Imperial Library over at UESP. We get along great. So don't worry. There's no, you never have to worry about anybody being like, oh, I don't want to, you have to check UESP or check Imperial Library. Those kind of allegiances don't really exist. We share it, information freely. It, if you're talking, you know, like we're talking about primary sources here, it's literally the same on both websites. Yeah. So go to both. Give everybody the page views. Oh, definitely. I recommend USP as well. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, I think that's a good place that we call it for our little lore episode tonight. So thank you, Benefactor, for joining us. We hope you'll have you back again. I think the last time we had you was when we got the teaser maps for we had you on the show for that when we were going through the puzzle of trying to figure out what the Greymore or the Dark Heart of Skyrim storyline was going to be. Oh, yeah. And uh, those maps are actually been translated now. Um, if you have they been fully translated? Because I know we got a lot of it. Because oh, the exciting. box art, uh, the physical edition box art, has the maps on them with much clearer lettering. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Boy, were we wrong. Yeah, we were wrong about a lot of it. Yeah, we were wrong a lot. But we did get um, the Reach, and we did get um, <laughs> that it was going to be something to do with Reachmen. <laughs> yeah. We were just, yeah. Some of them were very wrong. But anyways... We tried. We were working with what we could. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really had a lot of fun doing that. So I hope we get a chance to do something like that again. But anyways, on behalf of myself, uh, AKB, Benefactor, and the rest of the staff over at the UESP, I want to thank you guys for joining us again as we discuss all the stories of The Reach tonight. And we hope that you guys are all good to each other and you have some fantastic adventures while you're in Nerd. Bye, everybody. If it turns out that we do, in fact, lose the ongoing uh, event, please send any hate mail to AKB at pylon at usb.net. <laughs>